It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, welcome back. It's episode number six of the Gut Check Project with your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. I'm Eric Rieger. What's up, Ken? Eric Rieger, what's going on, my man? Not a whole lot. What's going on with you? This is one of, well, we've had some, we've had five episodes. We've had five episodes. And I would say that all five episodes, personally, I've enjoyed hanging out with our guests. Yeah. I'm going to go on record and say that I think today is going to be our best episode ever because the person we have is a law and policy expert in the hemp and CBD industry. Without question, I'm very excited to have Joy Beckerman. Uh, she currently works with Elixinol, but she is a uh, regulatory officer and industry liaison specifically with hemp. She's got well over 25 years, I think 28 years working specifically. She started when she was seven years old because she does not uh, look like anybody that's older than 28. Maybe we'll learn. There's a little bit about utilizing hemp for that long that it makes you not age. What? Have we heard that before? Oh, hemp does have polyphenols. Polyphenols. Yeah. Speaking of polyphenols, what do you know about polyphenols? Polyphenols. So last week we talked about how polyphenols help in athletes. We've talked about how the future of the Mediterranean diet and why it's an anti-aging diet, why it's anti-inflammatory is due to polyphenols. Why do I know so much about polyphenols? Probably because you may be connected to a product called Atrontil. My baby, Atrontil. So with Atrontil, it is chock full of uh, polyphenols and as well, it has the world's most stable polyphenol, Red Cabracho, Cabracho Colorado. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more, go to lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. I want to sign for that. Lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. Remember, everyone, that this is a startup digital radio station. We need to support our advertisers. We need to support um, the radio station itself. So please go to lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie. You know, you're bringing up uh, Spoonie. I do want to give a shout out. I have enjoyed the last two weeks with... Uh, some of the live shows that Spoonie offers. Another one that I started listening to the last couple of weeks is Trey's Chow Down with uh, Trey Chapman. It's a great show. So I know that they are always live, I believe, on uh, Fridays at uh, 10 Eastern, 9 Central. Um, no, I'm sorry, 11, uh, 11 Eastern, 10 Central. And uh, so anyhow, if you want to listen to it live or you can always listen to it recorded, that is Trey's Chow down live. Give them a listen. I think you'll love it. I think this radio station is going to explode. I think it's digital. I think this is really cool. And I'm very honored to be part of it. I want to thank Chef Patrick and Ron and everybody else here. And, of course, a shout out to Doc Thompson, who, um, you know, really is the one that convinced us to do this. And, unfortunately, uh, is no longer with us. But his legacy lives on. Definitely. Thanks to all of them. Um, we need to do what we've now be does six shows make a tradition? I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. So first, we're going to go to what happened here lately with uh, Dr. Ken Brown. So what we always try to do is do a little bit of a uh, personal stuff. Um, you know, fortunately, the um, fortunately, my week was not as dramatic as yours because you have a much more interesting story. I, a couple <laughs> interesting things happened to me. 
Um, <laughs> I have lost my wallet somehow. I you don't did. think it was literally, I think I lost it in the house somewhere, but I've been like several days without it, which means all my credit cards and everything. <laughs> Not trying to say it's a big deal, but it does humble you a little bit when you go, Oh wow, I need gas money. I'm gonna have to go find some yeah. cash. <laughs> I'm like, looking. <laughs> it's wild. Um, a couple weeks ago when we had Mark Simmelman on, who we're going to bring up in a second, he, uh, after that show, we, my son was playing in the Easter Bowl. And because of it, uh, how well he did in that tournament, the rankings came out yesterday, and he is officially the number one ranked 15 and under tennis player in the country. Amazing. So shout out to my man, Lucas, for doing that. And then the other really exciting thing is the thing that we've been working on um, very hard at is that Digestive Health Associates, DHAT, my company, um, is going to be the first company to launch a subscription health box. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know exactly what this is, that's A-OK because this literally is a first-time pioneer move of physicians wanting to basically break the bounds of the clinical setting, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, and I love how my company's embraced it. I had a long talk with the president, Jim Hackert, yesterday, and he's an innovator, and he's thinking, and he says, we can do this, and we're going to be the first large digestive group to deliver health to your home. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to shoot a video with doctors where they really are so passionate that they believe in things. And I just wanted to play a quick little clip of my man, Trey Lyles, who's out here in this neck of Texas, um, because what we did is we're going to, if you sign up for this email, it's going to be so exciting. We're going to be able to offer a lot of very beneficial supplements that have been vetted by doctors to improve your health, we're gonna protect your brain, we're gonna protect your gut, and we're gonna get you to sleep better, which is gonna make you all around much better. So I just wanted to get video clips of our doctors doing some stuff, and this is just a quick little one of Dr. Trey Lyles. Where are we at here? Oh, you want to turn towards this camera, yeah. yeah. Let's see if we can do this here. One of these, I, one I just of these thought days. this was funny, we just let him riff. We believe that your gut health starts today. We believe that Everybody farts, but sometimes you don't want to. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> okay, that was so, I was like, where's he going with that? That was funny. <laughs> yeah, so that is that is one of my colleagues. He's a very respected gastroenterologist, Dr. Trey Lyles, and I love the fact that he's just, I mean, we're being real. Yeah. We're, we're going to get in people's homes, and this is going to be exciting. Right, we won't we won't run through all of the uh, of the benefits there, but literally, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be something that addresses a lot of issues that, oh, what I think you'll learn is between 75 and 85% of Americans have to battle with every single month. And I think that DHAT's taken a huge step forward in saying we want to be a part of this and we want to find a solution. So yeah, I think this, is a, this is a shout out to the doctors that are embracing this. Shout out to Jim Hackert, our president, who is um, you know on board with this. And I think we're going to change the landscape of health in the DFW Metroplex. And we will expand beyond that. And hopefully through platforms like this, we'll be able to help many other people. Definitely. Now, that being said, um, that was pretty much my week. You had a little more exciting week. I did. I did. Number one. So uh, make no mistake about it. If you listen to the last couple episodes, I'm a big Texas Tech Red Raider fan. They made it to the uh, not only the final four, they made it to the final game, went to overtime. It was great. It, we had a blast. Unfortunately, came up short. Virginia was a great uh, was a great adversary. They played great. Uh, two teams battling out. We couldn't ask for a better game. That being said. Uh, my friend Mark Simmelman, who was on the show two weeks ago, was nice enough to fly me, my wife, and my two sons, all the way uh, to uh, Minneapolis 
We had a great because he's a pilot for he is a pilot for himself and is of course volunteers his time for Raquel's Wings, which is so cool. Yeah. It is. If you uh, go back and listen to that show, it's a fascinating story. It's episode four, and he talks about how they donate their time as pilots, private pilots, to give free transportation to cancer patients so they can uh, get uh, get treatment from the uh, the facilities that they need. All of that said, everything was great. Um, the Two, two mornings ago, we left Minneapolis, and we had planned that we were going to land in Kansas City. We are going to stop for barbecue. And um, Mark's daughter was with us as well, and she said, we're going to go to Joe's Barbecue. I've got a lot of friends in college that talk about it, and we're just going to go and check it out. So we're all very excited. We take off. We fly, and flight was very comfortable. And I happened to just glance out the left window, and in this particular plane is a Cessna uh, uh, dual-engine plane. I look at the left and I see what looks like fluid trickling. And before I sound the alarms, I'm like, I'll check out the other engine. Now it's you, your kids, and your wife, right? Yeah. It might me, my kids, my wife, Emily Ann, who is Mark's daughter, and Mark's co pilot, who and his name is Drew, who actually was actually a friend of my dad's. And um, so I go and I check out the other engine and I say, Huh, that does not look like the engine I just looked at. You're not a plane expert, but Fluid coming out of the engine. <laughs> not a plane, not an aviation expert at all, but I was like, that looks like something that other people should know about that would want to do something about it. So I leaned up front and I said, uh, Mark, Drew, there's a little bit of uh, something. It looks like oil dripping from the engine over here on the right side. And they both looked over and they said, yeah, yeah, we're going to check that out. We're not losing pressure. So that could be some overfill or something else like that. While we were stationed in Minneapolis, they may have topped it off and checked. Etc. They had perfectly rational reasons, and then suddenly, <laughs> the oil pressure dropped on that engine, and they said, "No, that's not what that was." But we are fine, and they cut the engine, and we had a perfectly uh, well-running airplane with its left engine going. And they said, "We are going to land at a large airport where probably there will be a Cessna uh, mechanic on hand." Check this out. It looks like it's nothing more than a uh, than a small oil leak. We'll fix it. And they have. But the, whenever you lose power to an engine, or you have to voluntarily cut one off, you have to declare an emergency. Even though, ball counts and measures, it actually wasn't. Mark and Drew were calm as cucumbers. I felt pretty comfortable with it. My son Mac, um, he basically looked at me for some assurance and said, it's "Okay." I said, "I think so." And then uh, Mark's daughter, Emily Ann, said they've trained on this a thousand times. Marie was like, yeah, I'll, I'll feel better when we're down. And then uh, thanks to Snapchat, uh, Gage is at the back <laughs> basically just taking his phone and like, hey, check this out, and sending clips to Mark's son and saying, hey, I'm in the plane with your dad. Engine's out. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what was the response? Uh, you know, they heard back from uh, Carson and uh, from uh, from Marcus, and they both basically was like, hey, man, sorry that's all you got, Gage. Uh, good being friends with you. <laughs> So lots, lots of, lots so of. So you have a, you have a dead engine. Yeah. Up there, you're uh -huh. with your family. Right. Marie is not handling quite as well as the boys. The boys are Snapchatting, and it's like, well, it's good to know you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's a perfect scenario. If you like movies, we probably could have, we probably could have filled the role pretty well. But we did land, and uh, safely. You guys didn't pull an almost famous, did you? Where you started disclosing a lot of secrets. We didn't have to give away <laughs> any secrets. Everybody was calm enough that it wasn't Panic City, and uh, pulled in. Unfortunately, no mechanic on hand. So, uh, no mechanic that could address a Cessna anyhow. And this is at the Des Moines International Airport. So that was a little bit uh, surprising. But regardless, they then turned into try to find a flight from there back to Dallas. 
Couldn't do it. Everybody was packed because people that couldn't fly into Minnesota for the Final Four, since Texas had such a large contingent going up to watch Tech, so many people had driven down to Des Moines to catch a flight. There was nothing going back to Dallas. So it basically was, we're going to get a van, and we're going to drive back to Dallas. And that's what we did. Ugh. That was not planned. And that is a long way. <laughs> so, but a huge shout out to, uh, to Drew uh, Bruton and to Mark Simmelman. Incredible pilots. Uh, calm under all kinds of pressure. Made it, made it seem, if you didn't know, you wouldn't have known. Basically, is all I had to say about that. That's amazing. It really was. I'd, I'm a, you and I have been in a couple small planes before where we yeah. hit some turbulence. You don't like it. I do not like it at all. <laughs> One time we were flying to Austin for a meeting, and uh, we hit some very serious turbulence. And uh, you were sitting right in front of me, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is pretty crazy. And you were just like, yeah, but there's nothing we can do about it. If we go down, we're going down, and you just can't argue with it. I, I was can't. like, that's an interesting, interesting philosophy. I can't fly a plane. There's nothing I can do. I once once you leave, you you're the passenger. But uh, but fortunately, I think in in most circumstances, you're the passenger of some great capable pilots. So uh, for the most, yeah. You know, well, Mark told the whole story about how his son, when his son was training, sure, about how he had a, an emergency and was able to land. Right. And so I mean, it, it it can happen to anybody, and everybody trains for it. So it's amazing. Yeah, it can. And you know, we talked a lot about that. So. That piqued my interest while we were waiting on different things that change while you're at high altitudes. And what happens? Why is it okay to have one propeller working with the other not? So you begin to learn a little bit about fluid dynamics and how the air. Well, then it led to something else completely different. I started thinking, what do people complain about just on regular flights? Did you know that one of the chief complaints about flight is the taste of food? Did you know that? I did not know that. Lufthansa apparently did a scientific study, I believe it was back in 2008, if I remember it uh, correctly, about what people experience whenever they try to eat foods that they love on the ground versus what it's like up in the air. And it turns out at high altitudes with a lack of barometric pressure that sweetness and saltiness of the five core tastes are lost. And one of the ones that's retained is savory. So... Utilizing the Japanese term for savory, which I believe is umami. Umami. There are lots Chef of... Chef Patrick, do you want to comment on that real quick? No, it's not my mommy. It's you, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, you, mommy. Um, they... No, you're right. I, I was joking. It's umami. Oh. Umami. I, just, but yeah. I will take direction. I've checked my ego at the door, just like we said. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm listening. We're you allowed to have an ego here that we can leave behind? <laughs> cool. <laughs> You're a chef, so we're just gonna we're gonna trust you. But, uh, you know, but so, I like that I like that chef humor. I got my gastroenterology humor, you know. I, you, mommy, my mommy, whatever. I, I'm curious to what. So, what was the what was the reasoning for that? That the the savory um, tends so to savory diminish? savory tends to be held onto, and um, but saltiness and sweetness basically disappear in terms of normal aspects for people to perceive. Whatever you don't have, I believe the other two are bitterness and sourness. So you've got bitter, sour, salty, sweet, and, and savory. Savory tends to be retained the best. So foods are then now being designed to enhance the savory aspect of taste. But also, if something relies more along the lines of the olfactory senses, that diminishes as well with a lack of barometric pressure. So savory is basically the save, savior of food taste while you're up in the air for people to like food and say that it's delectable. So sometimes if there's a savory beer, it does much better than an alcoholic drink that doesn't. But one that is 
tasted the most or uh, ordered the most is going to be a Bloody Mary because of the tomato juice and savory, uh, the, the savory stimulation that comes from having a tomato juice based cocktail. I love the science of food. Yeah. You know, I'm looking this up right now. And on the BBC, they have a, they, a guy named Charles Spence has written a book called Gastrophysics, where he addresses the, the, all these issues like background noise on planes and what it does to sweet and salty taste. Professor of experimental psychology, gastrophysics. So basically how you taste in different environments. It's so funny that you bring up the thing about sound because it took me down a completely different pathway on if someone is trying to learn how to eat healthy, maybe part of the reason is their environment may not be something that is also conducive to enjoying new foods. Oh if you boy. had a really loud or distractive area to eat, you may not enjoy a new food and its full array or a palette, I guess you could say, of what it has to offer if it's a really distracting environment. So people who may continually come home and rush to eat and have the TV blaring and lots of distractions, they oftentimes report a lack of satisfaction from eating foods that other people find incredibly delectable where they Oh my goodness. Go that's to, fascinating. It is fascinating. That's a, that's a whole separate deal because now we're talking, you will probably over sugar and over salt your food trying to achieve more taste. Saltiness and, and sweetness are lost first with loud noise and they're also lost with lack of air pressure. So you tend to eat or make selections worse and try to overcompensate by oversalting and oversweetening foods. It's amazing. Okay, so now let's take it up another notch because yeah. I was listening to a podcast um, from Rhonda Patrick where she had Dr. Barker on who's a sleep expert. Mm -hmm. And he was quoting a study where they were able to put people to sleep and had just enough noise level to not wake them up. Right. And they were able to pull them out of deep sleep. So they never got into deep sleep. And then she brought something up and it was do the city sounds, can they do that? Then he said that there's no study that's been done on it, but lower socioeconomic areas where they're more populated with more noise. That may be one of the reasons why people gain weight. His feeling was because of the lack of sleep, lack of deep sleep, but now you've just brought up something else. The two combined could be why we do have poorer health and lower socioeconomic areas that are more populated. Interesting. Totally. And it just sounds like the more chaotic that your environment is, unfortunately, it's a vicious cycle. It's just going to play into not only your food choices, but basically what you're doing to doctor up your food. If it could mean that you're adding a little too much salt, which I don't... That, that, that in and of itself could be a little controversial. I don't think that salt by itself is terrible, but Oversalting possibly could be, and but sugar, sugar without a doubt in terms of inflammation, et cetera. If you're oversweetening or you find yourself adding more sweetener, just take a step back, maybe examine what is my environment like that I'm enjoying the food that I'm eating? Because they also attributed not only altitude, but jet engine noise as the reason that some people lose perception of saltiness and sweetness when they're eating up in the air this is so fascinating i'm so happy that you so for instance did you notice that when your family was screaming as you guys were falling out of the sky that you were not enjoying your food as much well not only that uh gage had a morton's salt container <laughs> and basically was just pouring it in and and mac always travels with bags of high fructose corn syrup so he was just bathing in it i mean he was just very sticky there's nothing he could do we yeah, were, we were we we couldn't eat and we didn't have an engine. We didn't Speaking of high fructose corn syrup, turn in was it last episode that we did a whole study on that where I 
where we looked at high fructose corn syrup and its effect on health. Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead and listen to that. It's fascinating. I'm looking at this. This is like a whole new area of science that is just super intriguing. I would not have looked it up had we not been uh, laying over trying to get the uh, engine <laughs> You had not been falling out of the sky. Yeah. That hey, is. Speaking of last week, though, we did get a lot of feedback from people who wanted to know, number one, how to get a hold of James Carroll. Again, that is ThorLaser.com if you want to learn a lot more about photobiomodulation. Incredible interview last week. I mean, and the other questions were, why don't more people know about this technology? And that's not really any different than what we're dealing with in terms of hemp and CBD and how we can get it part of the mainstream, which leads into our guest today. There are so many similarities. James Carroll has been in the industry in this photobiomodulation for 25 years. Right. Joy Beckerman's been doing this for 25 years. What right. she's going to talk about is in her blood. What he talked about is in his blood. What I loved about his interview was the struggles, and he kept going. And I'm sure Joy's going to have some incredible things. Once again, a law and policy expert. We're here in Texas where the law is super confusing. Yeah. I'm a huge CBD proponent. We've got our own CBD hemp derived powered by elixinol yep who joy works for so go to kbmd health take a look at that um we've got a few minutes left here at the top or at the bottom of the hour i do want to open up her discussion with a quick review of cbd and autism because that is something that i've gotten a lot of questions about my aha moment if you're wondering why i ever even got involved with this it's because i um I had a patient that their son became 18 and then became my patient and he had severe autism. He was on the autism spectrum disorder and now he's a man. Essentially he's a full grown adult male and she noticed my patient, the mother noticed that when he would eat, he would have more outbursts and he was harder to control. So we were able to treat him, fix his gut. And at the time I was just handing out CBD to see if it worked. And she brought him back in and he was a different person. And so that changed my opinion of the whole industry and realizing that, wait a minute, what is this connection with the endocannabinoid system and your gut health and your brain health? And that's where we're going to publish probably the most extensive review with um, a graduate student that we work with. Uh, she does an amazing job. We've got like a 40-page review, 100 references on autism and CBD. Today, I just want to do a quick review of that, and then we'll let Joy get into it, because the reality is there's a lot of mothers out there who are not treating their children because of the misconception of what's going on in the hemp industry. There is a feeling that there is that this is weed, this is THC, and all this other stuff, and that's what Joy's here today to talk about. We're going to clear it all up to make more access. Just like James Carroll with Thor Laser, we're going to try and use this platform to help more people yeah without question and and i think that you hit the nail on the head we want to make this where it's not just an anecdotal example we want to make this to where people can turn back and say okay this is research that's replicatable and makes sense this is something that we can do to apply and unfortunately up until really today these most recent times we've no one's been at the liberty to do this i mean the endocannabinoid system i had a conversation with joy we should be rejoicing. It was discovered. Its function was discovered in our lifetime. That's a big deal. I don't know. I mean, even myself, I don't know that I fully appreciated until I started seeing the application, the replication of that application and seeing how well it actually can benefit so many people that we should 
we should be very excited that we've discovered the function and the ability to stimulate the ECS. My whole thing, uh, I knew nothing about CBD and the endocannabinoid system. On our first episode, we discussed this, where you and I were at Paleo FX, uh-huh. and we were essentially accosted by Christine Thiel of Elixinol, right. and she vomited so much information on me that I couldn't even contain it. I just said, whatever, send me a case. And I gave that case away to my patients. Almost all of them came back when it ran out and said, I need more of that. That's when I knew that we were onto something big. And that's when I realized I need to start looking at the science of this. My mission is to put research out there, is to show that this works in certain disease states. Not making claims on a show, but what we're going to do is just make sense of the science because there's so much confusion out there. Well, something else to, to add to those patients. It's, I remember when you did that. It's not like you just handed it out to random patients and said, tell me that this is great. You actually weeded out and found people that had rejected or found things that they had failed in the past. They had no problem telling you things that did and did not work. So anyway, wow, that was a quick half hour. That was a quick half hour. So I am so excited to have this person on. Uh, Joy Beckerman, she has a personality that is bigger than life. She is passionate. This is going to be so much fun. So start telling your friends to listen right now facebook live where do they go uh facebook live you can go to kennethbrownmd.com you go to spoonie doc or spoonie radio and uh well that's four seconds we'll see you in the next half hour if you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs listen to me you don't know me and we'll never meet I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. It looks like you're losing. I am. Are you losing weight? I am losing. I've lost about 10 pounds. How are you doing it? Funny name, but I've done it with Riduzone. R-A-D-U-Zone.com, and the stuff works. It's, you know, you get into all that, the molecule this and the found in that. All I can tell you is it, it's a, it makes you feel full, and it keeps your mind off of wanting to overeat. And also boosts your metabolism, yeah, so you're burning does. more. Yeah, it Try does. it today. It's going to work for you like it's worked for Brad and countless other people. RidUZone.com, R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395. Use this music. Yeah, I love it. I know it's really, it's really <laughs> wicked. Wild. Head, I just get. <laughs> well, welcome back. This is the second half hour here on the Gut Check Project, episode number six. We are now joined to my right 
by the Joy Beckerman. And she's a little bit familiar with him. Is it me, or did the energy in this room just get kicked up? Enough? I feel like I want to run a lot. <laughs> synergy, synergy, I love it. Synergy, that's exactly right. Well, shout out to Elixinol for allowing us to have joy on the show here. That's awesome. Yes. We, we work a lot with Leif and Gabe and all those peeps over there at Elixinol. Awesome company. KBMD CBD is powered by Elixinol. It is, and it's done so for a good reason. It's our privilege and uh, pleasure to be working with you. And of course you chose Elixinol, guys. Transparency, <laughs> purity, potency, organically sourced, all of that. We're leaders. 100%. Yeah. It, the, uh, at the, we just talked about how I gave away a case and a, several of those people had been on other products and they noticed a benefit. So of course. Some of them, I see that a lot. Well, some of them have been, yeah, other products. I'm assuming that you mean other CBD sources and mm -hmm. that, that is exactly right. So. The difference was night and day for some of them that came back and said, I was already taking CBD before. I actually have a much more perceivable improvement than I did with my long-term CBD supplier in the past. Absolutely. Not, not all CBD is the same. Not we, have, um, we have been very fortunate. Atron Teal, CBD. There's a lot of life things that happen. Having you on the show today, I kind of feel like it's kismet, fate. Whatever it is, I, we just stumbled into Elixinol, which I think is the best right. company out there. Consumer Labs says it's one of the purest. It's one of the most economical per milligram. And we just stumbled into it. Sure enough. You know, so sometimes fate takes you in the place that you need to be. Most of the time. Kind of like Gut Check say. Project. Exactly. The universe is always yeah. conspiring in our favor, always conspiring in our favor. Yeah. And when you can control the, the purity of the product from the actual seed and farming practices through the processing and manufacturing, this is how we are able to control the potency and purity of our, of our products, along with just expert product development in this emerging space. So. so this is super cool. So you're a law and policy expert. What I want to do for this hour is just talk pure science, molecules, all that? No. Long policy. Long <laughs> policy. <laughs> She's like, hell no, we're not, no, doing, we're that. not doing that. <laughs> I do want to talk a little science before we jump of into course. this because I have a feeling that we're going to get deep into your expertise, which we need to clarify here in Texas. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is because I have, we talked a little bit about autism. We're going to be publishing probably the most extensive review in uh, autism with CBD. Wow. And this is just a quick little recap of that. I'm super excited to um, send that out. We just need to have a couple small edits, and we're going to be able to sit there and start tackling some of this. Not a disease claim. What I am going to do is just refer to some studies. So autism, it's a big deal right now. Um, one in 59 children are now diagnosed with autism. Compare that to 2000, year 2000. That was one in 150. Something's happening. Right. And, you know, we don't know what it is. And there are the diagnostic criteria include three primary things, which include impairment in social interaction, impairment in communication and restricted, repetitive, stereotyped behavior. That's the actual definition. But we know that the reality is that those that have autism suffer from many more things, including gastrointestinal health, which is why I treat so many kids that become 17 or older and they come to me because they have gastrointestinal health. We know that there's other issues, seizures, anxiety, sleep dysfunction, attention deficit. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. There's all kinds of studies for each one of those disease processes looking at CBD. So what our review is, is that um, 
There was a study done out of Israel, 2019, that actually showed it was in January of 2019, an Israeli team of researchers published the results of a study in the Journal of Scientific Reports where they looked at 188 children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder who were given CBD-rich oil. While the benefits were observed as early as one month, it was found that by six months, 80% of the parents reported significant or moderate improvement in childhood symptoms of autism spectrum disorder, including depression, agitation, restlessness, anxiety, cognitive impairment, sleep disturbance, constipation, and digestive issues. Yep. So what I tell my patients is that they're like, well, how soon will I see results? Because like many things, if I put somebody on a medication like Atrantil, it is possible that it may take 20 days to work. Right. What I tell my patients is if you have an endocannabinoid deficiency, and I'm going to get in that in a second. And chances are you do. Chances are you do. <laughs> Think of it like a sponge. You have a dry sponge. It's going to take longer and more to get that sponge wet and full. So that is something to think about. And that's what these guys looked at right here. What they showed is the endocannabinoid system, if you're unfamiliar with it, and we're going to be talking a lot about it in the future, is a family of cannabinoid receptors that are naturally occurring. What Eric talked about at the top of the hour was we are so fortunate that my generation, I'm on earth when we discovered the endocannabinoid system, which is just as important as the gastrointestinal system, the cardiovascular system. We have coined a term on prior shows that we're going to start seeing scientists called, or doctors, called endocannabinologist absolutely and and just this morning when we were when we were driving to the studio eric and i you know i said this is akin to discovering that the that the earth is round and not flat in our lifetimes the discovery of the ecs Wait a minute. what i thought it was flat and that's just a whole movement yeah Dr. Brown is a flat earther. Oh, I'm a flat either. earther. Come on now. You know, every now and again, Dr. Brown will just throw you a sidewinder. <laughs> um, I, no, it is literally that type of discovery in our lifetime. So it's just amazing. Again, we were just discussing this. Um, more neurotrans, more endocannabinoid receptors in our brains than we have neurotransmitters. I mean, get real. And obviously, they're throughout our entire body. So the way that I explained it, everybody wonders, well, oh, they talk so much about it. But the endocannabinoid system um, basically controls how nerve pathways behave and this affects everything from cognition and behavior to motor function homeostasis right homeostasis so balanced so I tell my patients look it's a link between the immune system and the and the nervous system and it just puts things back in balance that's all it does it gets you back to balance so these cats in Israel they're smart they did some really cool stuff they checked endogenous endocannabinoids in these autistic kids. Oh, so uh, nandamide, is that correct? Uh, nandamide, correct. Oh, wow. So your body produces your own CBD, mm -hmm. nandamide and 2-AG. And it gets real scientific, and I've done a, I mean, I'm- Breast milk, breast milk. I'm done, I'm, I'm so into the weeds in this, because you start going down the scientific pathway, there are people that have broken it down to a molecule, and it's very hard. If I'm gonna sit there and talk to you and I'm gonna explain how the hippocampus affects your sleep, I'm gonna to have to talk some serious science. If I really wanna to explain to you how the endocannabinoid system affects the autism spectrum disorder, we're gonna to have to geek out. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's why this review article that we're putting out is there. Awesome. Yeah.
it's hard. They're probably going to do a layman's term. Seriously. Well, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. So basically the same researcher that, um, that we tasked for putting that together, put this together. I said, I'm going to go on a show. Can you just summarize it for me real quick? Mm -hmm. So evidence of a compromised endocannabinoid system occurring in patients with autism spectrum disorder has been established in a study published in 2018. Plasma levels of anandamide have been consistently decreased in children diagnosed with autism. I'm going to say that one more time. Plasma levels of your own endogenous endocannabinoid are decreased in autism spectrum disorder. You can help people by getting that back up. One way is to use a hemp-derived CBD product. That is my scientific review and the lead-in to our guest, Joy Beckerman, a badass in law and policy. And so great to join you badasses in, in human health. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, well, so Joy, obviously you've been in this industry now for 25 years, correct? Uh, yes. Or 28. Since 20... it's, it's, it's about 1990. In okay, the 1990, but I know that in 1994 you were a part of the upstart, I believe it was the year the... U.S. Hemp Authority, is that correct? Believe it, that was the Hemp Industries Association, okay. which I am currently the president of, formed in 1994. Um, How long have you been president? Uh, gee, since January of 2018. All right. So well, I've been on the board since right. September. Madam President. Uh, of 2017, nice. thank you. And the vice president of the U.S. Hemp Authority, which we'll get into as we as we move forward here. But uh, that's also the year that I opened up my hemp store in New York State. So okay. I owned the first hemp store uh, in New York State and had been introduced to hemp Hemp, uh, at a Grateful Dead show, frankly, in, uh, in the spring of 1990, there was a book that was written um, by a gentleman named Jack Herrer, really the godfather of the cannabis movements, um, and edited by Chris Conrad, who is still with us today. Jack has passed on. May he rest in peace. And it was called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. So Jack and Chris and some other um, real pioneers of the cannabis movement were aware of the country's very rich history in industrial hemp. Um, we used to pay our taxes with it. It was used as U.S. currency um, through about 1837 uh, or so. And, um, and so they set about to prove the existence of our, of our country's history and what this plant does. Um, because understand that the U.S. government didn't just remove the plant from our awareness. They attempted to remove all knowledge of the plant from our awareness. So uh, they dug up, and this was way before you know word processors. We were talking border tape and photocopying here, guys, and exacto knives. So they went to the Na Nation National Archives in D.C. several times, dug up as much information as they could, and photocopied all of the documentary evidence that they discovered to prove to the world uh, industrial hemp's history and, and what it can do. And that book was published and then was distributed um, throughout sort of the, the counterculture, the more alternative counterculture. And frankly, the Grateful Dead tours understand they were a traveling concert with 50,000 plus people. Sure. And so this movement actually was bred through the movement of those concerts and then and then the folks that would take that information into their communities. So I had received a flyer um, with excerpts from The Emperor Wears No Clothes at a spring uh, dead show in 1990. And I was raised by an attorney um, who raised me all by himself, a man of great uh, conscience and ethics and a conservationist. And so I was raised with a real sense of justice and, and human rights 
rights um, and also planetary healing. And so reading that flyer affected me on what I generally describe as a cellular level and altered the trajectory of my life. It was a like a, a convergence of a sense of justice and injustice and a sense of planetary healing coming together because I'm reading all about this plant and realizing, wow, we have a solution here. And the solution is illegal for a safe, effective, versatile, valuable plant that is here, in fact, to serve all of humanity's needs, not just general wellness and human and animal nutrition, um, but body care, paper, textiles, biocomposites, industrial sealants and coatings, building materials, nanotechnology, biomedical applications. Somebody stop me. And then and then realize that it's illegal. And that affected me on a, a on a on just a major level and has become the, the passion of my life. So let me stop you right there. So we're going to get into law and policy about this, but yes. clearly you're a very passionate person. Who is Joy Beckerman? Ah. Let's start from the beginning. You already mentioned your dad a little bit. Let's yes. just, let's take it from the beginning. How did this person end up in this position so passionate about her field? Wow. Um, geez, I'm so not used to speaking about my, my own history, but the first thing that comes to me again, because having underscored my father's influence, I have no brothers or sisters either. So just me and this solo practitioner lawyer guy, um, growing up. And part of that, when I say that is because my mother wasn't present and I, even though she, did she pass away? No, she did not. Um, I think that she, it was not easy being a single mother back in the, in the 1970s. And, um, she, had her reasons and her issues and her challenges in life but I was raised to believe that my mother either had amnesia or was dead um, my father said you know your mother loved you so much so either she has amnesia joy or she is dead she would never just leave you um, and the reality is she neither was dead nor had amnesia she had just left <laughs> and um, but they they actually you know what that is so I think that is that shows the character of your father oh, he's who always definitely. stood by the belief that your mother that you needed to know that your mother loved you absolutely absolutely and they had been divorced when i was six months old so i had lived with her until i was six so this went on after she left the presence of the entire family um and as i say to her today because she could not possibly be more regretful or apologetic which i p insist that she stops with that energy because i i believe that had i not been a motherless child had I not been under the influence of, 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 he was a harsh guy, but a very functional, responsible, nurturing man who groomed me to be well-rounded and prepared me for college and all of those things. Taught you how to be a deadhead. Yeah, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I wouldn't. You know, the bumper sticker on Dead Tour was like, from good homes. I remember. <laughs> so I, <laughs> my dad thinks I'm in college, bumper sticker. Um, so, <laughs> but had I not been a motherless child, had it not gone exactly the way it unfolded, I don't think that I would have had the courage and the passion to do what I do today. So um, so my mother not being a part of my life, I think also turned me into a pretty strong human being. And that iron was forged further through my very strong father. Everything's a new opportunity. Everything. Yes. So. Everything is. So you're raised in this home. Your father's trying his best education background how did you eventually discover you eventually discovered hemp through the 
the Dead concert? Yes, yes. Literally, like, just a flyer. Literally a flyer at a Grateful Dead show. And and I, I want you to know I also found about natural childbirth through Grateful Dead shows, Ayurvedic medicine through Grateful Dead shows, vegetarianism through Grateful Dead shows. I was a poster child. Just a little plug for the Grateful Dead community there. I did not know any of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I had two yeah. home births um, be, as a result of what I learned about midwifery versus dirty hospitals. Now, I, ha- had I been at risk at all, I would have been in a hospital, so you know, but I was a low-risk pregnancy. Well, people did it at home uh, all the way until a little over 100 years ago. Head scratcher for thousands and thousands and thousands of years at home. Right. <laughs> they have to train taxi drivers on how to deliver babies in some cities which are really crowded. Yeah. Because so many babies are born in taxis on the way to the hospital. Judge, side note, do you have, is that an upcharge on Uber? Ooh, just, that's a big tip. Like Uber that X. Uber driver better get tipped. Uber X delivery. Is that something, <laughs> is that, something that we can do? I don't know. Anyway. Uber OBGYN. <laughs> you know what? I, um, I followed Jay-Z for years. and I did not get any of those amazing life skills from doing the Jay-Z tours. No, I think it's, I think though honestly, yeah, there's probably a lot though that goes on in in terms of the uh, community jam bands that kind of move like that. I saw that at widespread shows or fish shows that you have a community that really moves and migrates and and like, a planetary healing community. Yeah, without question. And they they basically, I mean, you that becomes their community. And then education is only going to follow suit when you want to let people that you know and care about in your community know something new. So it really doesn't surprise me that that was something that was picked up there. Indeed. And, and and should just also tell you, it is of such a community that I did entire Grateful Dead tours where I maybe only saw three shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, believe me, it's the community that, that, that makes a lot more about. sense. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Every year, Jimmy Buffett comes here and I have a whole group of friends that they just rally around that and they do the, they do the Jimmy Buffett thing for like three days. Sure. Yeah, it's a long-term thing. And if you're into parrots, then I think that's also probably a beneficial place. If All right. So Joy Beckerman's following uh, the dead and you discover him. Next stage. Yay. Okay. So, and also understanding that, and and not to beat this like a dead horse, um, because we'll evolve here up in time, but understand that, uh, you know, the major song, the Grateful Dead sing about planetary healing, sing about awareness, sing, wait now, discover that you are the eyes of the world. And I took that to a whole nother level, as did many people um, from that experience. And so there was also... um, a a sort of tribe called the rainbow family now i'm getting really hippie on you guys here um which some believe are a cult and i suppose if you are persuasive and weak you could have found yourself in a culty situation don't be biased on that (laughs) (laughs) but it certainly wasn't to me to me now the the rainbow family um uh, does these gatherings and still to this day where you're communing in national parks um and it follows a native american tradition in fact the rainbow family is part of an of a hopi uh Prophecy. And so uh, I then began to, that also had a huge effect on my spiritual awareness, on um, discovering my my purpose, uh, learning about various world religions, um, which I have formed, you know, my own spirituality. I, I take what I like out of all the different religions, and it's an, an evolving belief system with my own core principles. Um, but this this also then led me into one day I got a flyer on a dead show for a for a um, 
a music festival. It said this is a festival dedicated to peace, love, and music, and it's in Bethel, New York, um, in August. And I and I got this pull to go to this festival. I thought I have to go to this festival dedicated to peace, love, and music. And I get there in the middle of the night, and when I wake up the next morning, I see that there are these vendors and they're selling posters of Woodstock and so on and so forth. And I realize I'm on Yasker's farm. This is the anniversary of the Woodstock festival, and mm -hmm. which which didn't take place in Woodstock. I lived in Woodstock for many years and I live only 11 miles from there now. It took place in Bethel because the town of Woodstock would not give Michael Lang, the producer of the festival, a permit. So he had to move it about 40 miles south. So I realized that's where I am. And there I meet somebody who speaks seven languages, is sort of holding court about how to be an speaks activist. how many languages? Seven. Ooh, wow. I know, a, a Brown University student who had, had been born in Israel. Um, and he was sort of holding court, talking to people about how to be an activist, how to be an advocate, how to travel around and really do your purpose and be a part of the revolution. And I-, I Let me- Sure. Say that one more time. Please. Do your purpose. Do your yeah. purpose. What a great line. Yeah. Do your purpose. Do your purpose. We are all here for something. Something. Do your purpose. Amen. Sorry to interrupt. Keep I going. think a lot of depression in the world is from not understanding that <laughs> and having that. A purpose-driven life a is purpose -driven the life. A purpose-driven life. Some mm -hmm. people will view that from a religious angle. Some people will view that from an educational angle. I mean, that's that's how we live. I mean, I, I'm trying to do my purpose, which is heal people. Absolutely. You're doing your purpose. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just Please. love that line. Do your purpose. No, where, where? Anybody listening, do your purpose. Yep, and if you and if you haven't found it, hemp would love to be your purpose. <laughs> no, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this is an easy road to finding your purpose because this is an incredible thing that we're talking about. Yep. I'm sorry to interrupt. I oh, just no. That was so cool. You Go interrupt on. all. Oh, we're, we're vibing so wonderfully here, Dr. Brown. Thank you, Ken. Um, so, so. I go by Thor on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> Oh my gosh so um so anyway i think and this is before keep in mind there's no email there's no cell phones sure, yeah. guys at this time I'm, I'm literally talking the early 90s um and i but there are phones and I then several months later, I realized I've got the, the call here. I was going to Fisher College, studying paralegal college. I was working at a um, uh, insurance agency in New Bedford, Massachusetts. But once you get the bug, you get the bug. And, and if you're not doing your purpose when you get it, everything becomes uncomfortable. Um, and so I realized I got to like... I, I got to not work it. I need to go on the road and do my purpose and learn. So I call this, so cool. this gentleman and I who had been holding court at the Woodstock festival and spoke all those languages. And I just said, I, I, I really want to know how to save the world. And I really feel like you can teach me, teach me. And I remember him saying, huh, it's funny. You should call. I need a navigator. A navigator, I said. He said, yes, I'm going to the 100th anniversary of the massacre at Wounded Knee on the Pine Ridge Reservation with the Uglala Lakota Sioux in South Dakota. And it's gonna be a global convergence. People from all over the world are gonna come and recreate this 20 mile ride, this Trail of Tears. Keep in mind, this is December into January of 89 into 90. In the Dakotas. In the Dakotas. Wow. It's like 70 below with the wind chill factor. Yeah. 
And he says, and so I, I need to navigate to South Dakota. You can come with me. You, I'll teach you a whole bunch while we drive together from New York to South Dakota and go to this thing. And that really changed my life. I want you to know it was only later in life that I, because it was a huge convergence of people from all over the world, it was a massive learning opportunity for me and personal growth opportunity for me. And I only recently discovered that uh, the riders, that um, three who had even decided to create this incredible ceremony, which had such an effect on my life, one of those riders was Uglala Lakota Sioux, Alex Whiteplume, who is one of the major hemp activists um, who has, you know, been arrested by the DEA, has had his fields um, of hemp destroyed by the DEA, whose family has been persecuted because of their belief in hemp on that reservation. And so is a huge part of the movement and our awareness in the hemp industries um, and, and again in those hemp movements. But I did not know that in 1990. Sure. I only recently learned that. So in any event, that's how it moves forward. Then I decide to open up the hemp store. Um, I become... Um, I, th I think a really interesting story that I just have to tell you. So it, while I'm doing the hemp store in Woodstock, New York, I get a cease and desist letter from the U.S. Secret Service because... Secret Service? Yes. Because we are stamping the stamp, I grew hemp in a little bubble coming out of George Washington's mouth on every single dollar bill that's coming in and out of the store. We stamp the thing. I grew hemp because we're spreading the message as those dollars oh, are circulated. Oh, like, a, like a... A little bubble. Well, yeah, like a speech bubble. A speech bubble. Okay. So it's George Washington. Way before emojis existed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you invented the dollar emoji. Ah, <laughs> gosh. And it wasn't my invention. Some, some brilliant person, I mean, there was a small army of us doing this, made the stamp came up with the idea and we were employing that idea as part of our advocacy. So I get this cease and desist letter from the U.S. Secret Service telling me I'm mutilating U.S. currency and mm -hmm. I need to stop, okay? So we didn't have a bunch of advocacy organizations. Of course, there was normal, amazing national organization for the reform of marijuana laws formed in 1970. But besides that, we had High Times Magazine. Right. So I'm in New York, I happen, which they always were at the Rainbow Family Gatherings and beautiful teepee. And so I called the then editor, Steve Hager was his name and uh, I said, "Oh my God, Steve! I just got this this you know Secret Service cease and desist. How can we use this? Like we got to use this. This is amazing." Well, they they definitely did an article there, but he also fed the article, I believe, to a Rick Cusick, who is on the normal um, board of directors now, and who later went on to become uh, the publisher of High Times. But at the time, was just a writer for a small weekly rag called um, The Aquarian out of New Jersey. He's an investigative journalist at the time. And, and so I send him a copy of the cease and desist. Now, attached to this cease and desist letter was a copy of a dollar bill with the thought bubble uh -huh. and a fax number at the top. Well, I didn't know enough to look at whose fax number that was, but certainly Rick Cusick did. And he discovered that that fax number was the fax number to the Woodstock police and said, huh. It looks like the Woodstock police faxed this to the Secret Service, and the oh. Secret Service is now acting on this. So he calls, actually now, who I'm going to say he may or may not have, because of course an investigative journalist wouldn't lie to a police officer, Never. may or may not have led the police officer to believe that he was an anti-hemp journalist and oh. said, what the heck is this Joy Beckerman doing in Woodstock? <laughs> She's doing her purpose, people. <laughs> 
<laughs> love you. I was doing my purpose. And the Woodstock police officer spills the beans and said, man, we've been trying to buy marijuana from her. I had much longer dreadlocks at the time. Um, Which, by the way, if you're not, if you're just listening to it, you, I, I love Joy's look. I love yeah. this. I love his dreadlock thing going on. Sweetheart. And so third set, because you go bald every time you have dreadlocks, alopecia. Let's see if we can get CBD on this traction alopecia, because all us dreadlocks people will love that. But they were much longer uh, dreadlocks at the time. We are trying to buy marijuana from her, and we can't get any of our, our undercovers to buy marijuana. Because no, you just no, had no shit, Sherlock. I don't sell marijuana. <laughs> yeah, just him. So in any event, um, so then he says, "You're going to love this." So then we had her sterilized hemp seeds for human nutrition. We sent them to Albany to be tested for THC, and when that came back negative, we sent her hemp twine to Albany twine, you guys, to be tested for THC. And when that came back negative, we decided the only thing we could get her on was this mutilating U.S. currency. So we sent that to the U.S. Secret Service, and now we've got her. So made you a target and that, this is a perfect time right now so believe it or not we're up against it that was a quick half hour cool that, that was. was awesome don't go anywhere we know who joy beckerman is <laughs> yeah we'll 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 bat a small element of cleanup because that's some of the most badass stories we've ever had told on the awesome. project now we're gonna geek out on some law and policy so now you know that there's not thc in your hemp that's why we're moving forward joy beckerman's gonna join us here in the next hour We'll be back here in just a moment. Gut Check Project, episode number six. See you in a little bit. Right on. All right. We're here now in hour number two. It is the Gut Check Project, episode number six here with your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. I'm Eric Rieger, and we are joined today by the great Joy Beckerman. Quick reset, uh, do go to lovemytummy.com forward slash Spoonie to grab your own Autron Teal. Joy's going, she just said she's going to do it after the show. Well, okay, so we're going to jump into, we're going to get back into hemp extract and all that. One thing, Great. Joy, that you may not be aware of is that the polyphenols in Autron Teal actually decrease the enzyme that destroys your endogenous endocannabinoids. In other words, these two, the Powered by Elixinol, KBMD Health, CBD, and Atron Teal work together. So that's how synergy. 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 Well, we some call it the entourage effect as well, but uh, that gets overplayed. And I'm listening to a lot of scientists now that hate that term. So mm. maybe we should, I don't know if we move away from it, embrace it. What? You know, I mean, the HBO series is off now, so it has less effect. <laughs> right. It's so true. And I, in reviewing all that you're doing, you're doing some amazing work. I mean, both of you together, it's incredible what KBMD is, is doing. And so I've read about Atron Teal. For whatever reason, I missed the incredible fact that you just said right now that uh, there are properties in it that actually destroy that which destroys cannabinoids. So we were talking last half hour uh, a little bit about autism, mm -hmm. and we were talking about how living in the United States, most of us have a deficiency in our own endocannabinoid system. Right. Indeed. And that is because of inflammation. It all comes down to inflammation. Well, and it's because hemp has, cannabis has been removed from our diet and our awareness. I, I would say that's primarily why we haven't had access to- I never thought about that. They that's the been, reason. They've been trying to get rid of this. Another reason, like from a, from a health standpoint, yes. if you- no, so I so I have a specific question on that. Yeah. So because hemp was grown for so long, cultivated here, and you know, we, as you stated, we paid our taxes in hemp. Indeed. So the stalks were obviously used as fiber, 
yes. for rope, etc. Yes. Now the 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 leaf, the 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 canopy was fed to cattle because it was cheap. It grows well, fast. It it's seed seed as well. Grain, yes. absolutely. So was that because we didn't always directly eat that, consume it directly as a plant? Mm-hmm. Um, was that was the were the CBDs? You know, was that present in the the flesh, the meat that we consumed oh, at that like time? And was that ingested, itself. or is that simply? Kind of not accounted for. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to know that we did actually, we have a very strong history of consuming hemp, hemp seed oil and hemp seeds. And it, it was in our apothecaries and, and in our systems, um, our food and agricultural systems, but certainly for ag feed, there are lots of studies being done now because neither the FDA or AFCO, which is in charge of animal and ag feed, um, have approved any aspect of, of hemp for ag feed. So we're doing lots of studies now on what they call the bioaccumulation of cannabinoids. Question. That's a great question. Because I mean, I, I know that we, we used it as, as feed. It was very inexpensive. Yes, yes, yes. Now, how that, but how that came into the into the um, our own digestive system and how we metabolize it and what the bioaccumulation was, of course, in that animal. That's not research that had been done now. And gotcha. research, research, research is being done. Love it. So Excellent question. So let's look at this. Very So in my field, in the field of health, we are extending our lifetimes, but not our health times. Mm-hmm. We are becoming sicker yes. as, a, as a nation. Now, a couple of things that Patrick just brought up, one of them is we are feeding our cattle the, or we're feeding all livestock the cheapest, um, most uh, fertilized crops possible. So we're getting the glyphosate Primarily. through the, through the meat. We're giving them, you know, corn and all these other things. Mm-hmm. We took hemp out of our diets, mm-hmm. and then because of lifestyle and out of ag feed, phones, blue lights, poor sleep. So, from a physician standpoint, uh, processed life, foods, life stressor, processed foods, poor sleep, all decrease our own endogenous endocannabinoids, and then you compound that with the lack of eating exogenous endocannabinoids such as hemp. Now we've got a a dual process going on, and that may be one of the reasons why we are getting sicker. Compound, and maybe one of the reasons compound. why when I give a hemp-derived CBD extract to my patients, some of them are like, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm a new person. And it could be because of their own endogenous endocannabinoids being so low. Absolutely. We all have the, we all have different ways that we metabolize it. As you know, we all have different levels of deficiency. Um, but uh, it's what's happening. And, and to, again, discover this in our lifetime that we um, haven't been regulating our homeostasis. Oh, my God. Guys, I'm wondering if I can just quickly wrap up my U.S. Secret Service story because it was just so good at oh, the yeah, end. Oh, yeah. We got more left. Yeah, do the, it. the tiniest bit here. And it's the good news, awesome sauce that came out of this. So in any event, after these articles come out, um, the Associated Press takes the story and puts it in every major newspaper, her hemp dollars draw U.S. haulers, okay? Her (laughs) hemp dollars draw Draw U.S. US haulers. 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 Okay, so the little tiny U.S. Secret Service office in Albany gets overwhelmed with phone calls. Keep in mind, these guys have an important job to do. They were only acting on this because the Woodstock police were the assholes who forced them to make this a part of their agenda, right? So in any event, I get a call from the U.S. Secret Service in Albany that says, oh my God, okay, listen, Ms. Beckerman, the reality is 
that under the statute, it has to be your intent to render the currency unfit for circulation in order for you to meet the element of mutilation of U.S. currency. Which is now what you were doing. Clearly, you want to keep this money circulating <laughs> <Right>. because <laughs> you are spreading your message. So you actually do not meet the standard of mutilating U.S. currency. You are not mutilating U.S. currency. Could you call off the dogs here? We're getting all kinds of phone you calls. Didn't, you didn't instigate all that that just kind of took that off was the woodstock right? police this is what happens and we're going to get into this with texas law lions and tigers and bears oh my <laughs> when you got little local policeman here little county sheriff there county prosecutor here local you know um <laughs> having a goddamn opinion a gosh darn opinion <laughs> sorry um so so in any event um so sorry about that guys so so in any event um they, uh, they, the U.S. Secret Service says, please call off your dogs. You are not mutilating U.S. currency. We have one favor to ask of you, however. Will you please use red ink? You're using purple ink. And the red ink would help us with the money counting machines at the bank. Your purple ink can, can affect how fast the money can be counted really? in the money what? counting machines. And remember back in the fax machine days, they were like, if you use red ink, it won't go through the fax machines. So you have to use blue or black. Oh, it's Remember not, it's that? Not detectable. It, yes. Oh, so okay. they said if you use red ink, it won't affect the money making machines. Gotcha. And, I, and I said, I thank you very much for that piece of information. What's more, you can see it easier anyway. Uh, well, my deal is no. Feel free to mess with the banks, people. So use the darkest ink you want in the world. If it's not your intention to render that currency unfit for circulation, I don't mind messing with bank counting machines. I don't mind breaking the system any way that I can. <laughs> So I was appreciative of that information. So, but moving up in history and how we'll get to now law and policy is that then I go to, um, you know, I have my children. I'm also studying at University of Vermont as an English major with these um, and women's studies. And of course, I'd gone to Fisher College for paralegal studies. And then I began a really extensive. We open up the hemp store. I then moved to Vermont because I get appointed to be. What year is this? Uh, now we're in 1996 when I moved to Vermont. That was the year that the inaugural Vermont Hemp Bill passed. So. Vermont actually oh, wow. passed a yeah. hemp bill okay. originally in 1996, and I was then appointed uh, by Representative Maslach to serve as secretary of the Vermont uh, Hemp Council. Hey, were they the first? Uh, they were not the first, okay. no, believe it or not. Um, but uh, And so that's how I went um, to, to Vermont. I, I started working in law firms and then began, relocated my family as the children got older and I needed to keep them in like football cleats and nice clothes and a great quality of life. Um, I moved to Seattle, which uh, for a then single mother was a, a beautiful opportunity and frankly still is today. For, but for, for work. But yes, began a dual career in compliance and complex civil litigation with with hemp so as a paralegal degree that was your degree. yes yes okay. and so and then went on to be a senior paralegal and in fact have worked with some of the finest attorneys in the entire west coast uh, lead counsel um, for ERISA claims which is the employment retirement um, securities act uh, so worked on the Enron cases the world health uh, world uh, com and health south cases there but um, and was even assigned to the largest municipal securities fraud case in the history of the state of Washington wow. so all of that uh, and raising my children, being able to keep them in that lifestyle um, and being an over-involved Jewish mother at the same time, um, uh, it, was, it was a fantastic 
breeding ground and learning ground and mentoring um, opportunity for me. So many people invested in me that allowed me then to do the work that I'm doing now as an advocate um, and, and in leading, uh, helping to lead these movements. I've, I've such drafted a lot of policy. It's just such a foundation because you've got the passion already mm -hmm. and you basically have, you've touched every aspect, the introduction, the how do I do the work, what's, what is and isn't legal from state to state. I don't know that we could find a better, more well-rounded person to no. be in the position that you're in. And what's awesome is, is that she saw the side where she was a target at one time. Oh, I'm no I mean, she's trying to. I mean, did you have that? Did Did you have your boys at the time? I when, did. Yeah. So you're you're raising a family. Mm -hmm. You have the Secret Service showing up. I mean, if you're the kind of person that that if um, if you're the nail and the whole world's a hammer, you just stop what you're doing. You're like, that's I'm not going to mess with that. You just close shop. You didn't do that. You no. went. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I yeah. found my purpose. I'm going to do this. hundred percent. And just to recap from the last half hour, whenever she was rounding out the story that they, the Woodstock police were essentially trying all they could to pin you down for selling THC, which of course is the active ingredient in marijuana, which mm -hmm. people run in fear from regardless. You were saying this are these are hemp derived products. They never found THC. So they basically resorted to a trumped up charge of decorating a dollar bill. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. They just wanted a fall guy and they couldn't get it. And they couldn't and they couldn't. And, and I will have you know, and, and oftentimes a lot of activists and advocates are born because mm. they have been persecuted b due to prohibition. Sure. Um, and I will say, how, however, and the universe, again, always conspiring in our favor. But all of those articles, what that did to the store is the, the community didn't want to be seen in the store. Right. So the store dried up. Right. Because there were no customers. Also in Woodstock, New York, if you know anything about Woodstock, New York, there's really only customers in the summertime. And now, oh, okay. this was, we learn a lot as young entrepreneurs in, in hemp. <laughs> we lose a lot. Um, but yeah, gee, only customers in the summertime. And then the community supports you throughout. Uh, and believe me, they wanted to. They tried, oh my gosh. But when they thought they were under police surveillance for walking into the store, again, was a totally different climate in the early 90s. Have you read Michelle Ross's book, Vitamin Weed? No, but I have heard this is on the list. So I've read it and I read it and I reread it because she's a PhD mm -hmm. and it, it is it's not an easy book to read it. She geeks out quite a bit, but her story is that she was persecuted. Mm. She got pissed and that became her passion mm -hmm. as, a, as a scientist. So it's all really it's chemical. It's not law and policy. It is all chemical interactions all yeah. this stuff non-emotional it's non-emotional but it's all because she was persecuted yes yeah. and, and for what it's worth mine was that that persecution was it, it wasn't like i feel terrible even calling that persecution when i have friends who are in jail sure or have served mm. time in jail or had their parental rights taken away or their business taken away or their real estate and assets taken away um now that's real persecution i got this letter which i turned into a massive pr campaign for hemp awareness accidentally um, uh, yeah Yes, accidentally. And of course, the passion had come before that. But indeed, um, I did experience just a little brief moment of that. Um, and uh, and the rest of it, I will just say, by the grace of God, go I. <laughs> There's a lot of application that you can deliver to the listeners today. So I think that maybe what we could do is move into that's obviously led to so many of the opportunities. The thing that probably most people are aware of that want to find good, meaningful and resourceful advocacy for the hemp is the hemp inclusion yes. to the farm bill in 2018 yes so as we rounded this last half hour before we talk about the implications locally yeah. and state to state tell us a little bit about your involvement with the farm bill of 2018 
what the hemp aspect was of it, and I'll just let you take it from Isn't there. Eric a great moderator? Like, he he's just keeps wonderful. things moving, uh, he's, I like that. The two of you, you, you <laughs> bo- you're both blow my mind. It's just such a pleasure to, to communicate with I'm you. Like, and- yeah, good, good idea. Let's, <laughs> do, that. Let's do that. Let's have a show. Um, so I have been involved in hemp advocacy for many years. I've, I've helped to write um, legislation and policy in, in different states and continue to do that. I was not a part of drafting the Farm Bill. I'm um, very grateful to be working with folks who did uh, uh, the uh, Vote Hemp has been an advocacy um, group for years. Again, the HIA, the Hemp Industries Association, we're a 501c6, we're a trade association, so there's only so much that we can do for advocacy under that um, nonprofit tax status. But 501c4s are basically lobbying organizations or advocacy organizations, and Vote Hemp is one. Another is the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, a very powerful um, organization. Is that the one that Mike Liago's head of? Mike Liago is a part of it. I don't know if he is head of. He's not head, no, but he is probably a member organization. Definitely, definitely. Yes, and may even be on the board. We were just I'm not at sure. a meeting with Mike Liago. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, the provisions in the Farm Bill, they actually came from the Hemp Farming Acts that had been filed in the House and the Senate. Uh, the Senate version was much more powerful. These acts had been filed for years, by the way, since 2005 in the House and since 2013 in the Senate. Well, many people think Mitch McConnell just came on board with his support of hemp the reality is that he was one of five unpopular co-sponsors in 2013 which co-sponsored the very first industrial hemp farming act in the senate this is nuts I mean, six years ago, people were, I mean, in the Senate trying to do this? Including Mitch McConnell and wow. uh, and Senator Ron Wyden and, and Jeff Merkley. So reaching across the aisle, we're talking Democrats from Oregon and Republicans from, from Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. So this has been going on and on. So in any event, they continue to improve that bill um, because we started to realize even when the 2014 Farm Bill passed, which is where we got our definition of industrial hemp for the first time in U.S. history, distinct distinguishing it from marijuana. Um, There was a provision within the 2014 Farm Bill called the legitimacy of industrial hemp research. It defined two terms. One was industrial hemp. Again, for the first time, oh my God, it's separate from marijuana. Sure. uh, Legally defined thereby. And another term called an agricultural pilot program, which was to study the growth, cultivation, apparently they're different, and marketing of industrial hemp. And so many states began to, uh, Kentucky was one of the first among them, to open up these agricultural pilot programs for industrial hemp. That's how we started marching this ball down the field. But the definition of industrial hemp in that 2014 Farm Bill simply said the plant cannabis sativa L and any part of such plant whether growing or not, that does not contain greater than 0.3% THC on a dry weight basis. Now, if I gave a flower to a Mm four-year-old and I said, you can play with any part of this plant, and then I said, what part of that plant can't you play with? The four-year-old would say, well, I can play with all the parts. You just said that I can play with any part. And I'd say, you're absolutely right, four-year-old. You can play with any part of that plant. There is no part of that plant that you cannot play with. Now, if I gave that same plant to a DEA agent mm-hmm. prior to this 2018 Farm Bill, and I said, hey, DEA agent, you can play with any part of this plant. What part of that plant can't you play with? The DEA agent would say, the flowering tops, leaves, and resins. And you'd be like, what do you mean the flowering tops, leaves, and resins? The definition says the plant cannabis sativa L and any part of such plant that does not contain greater than 0.3% THC on a dry weight basis. So so they the DEA continued to Okay, so let's okay, let me just stop right there and clarify something because this is when when I first started getting into hemp 
CBD extract. This is when we were working with, what's that attorney that we have for Altrante Hill? Um, uh, Todd Harrison. Todd Harrison, who's written extensively on this. Yes. And that was when it was the weird stuff. It was like, you can derive it from seeds and stalks, not from the flower. Now, what I want to clarify here is it's changed. You can now use the whole plant, correct? I, and I'm so sorry. I'm trying not to giggle. CBD does not come from the seeds and the stalks. Does not come from the seeds and the stalks. Where have they been getting it from? From the flowering tops and the leaves and the resins, my brother. And, and folks have been saying that they get it from the seeds and the stalks because the definition of marijuana, which has now been altered and we'll get there, says this term does not include the mature stalks, the seeds thereof. He wrote a consensus statement. That basically, and he's like the leading attorney on this particular subject. And I do, I certainly when so you know, there are lots of leading attorneys and and I don't want to start getting more public about who's the better attorney and who has, because I just heard of Todd Harrison today from you guys for the first time. And I, and I work with leading attorneys in that space. I'm sure he totally is. You want to know what else is super cool is whenever Patrick starts wiggling and puts his headphones on, that means he's got something to say. Okay. Let's hear it, Patrick. So you talked about the how they changed the definition of uh, the usable parts of the hemp plant. And I, I haven't actually gotten there yet, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you ask your question. Sorry, yeah. I'm used to, I teach lawyers, <laughs> yeah, and no, I have no, to no. talk to lawyers like that, too. <laughs> uh, but I, I, for me too. But okay. I, I, I really, I think it's probably better for me to, to mm-hmm. deal with the evolution of it before we get into your question, but go ahead, ask what the question. What she's saying is it's easier. You might be interrupting my flow here, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's that's okay. It's easier to let the lawyer <laughs> ask the question than her to just interrupt you and say, I'll get to that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, but it's, go ahead, go ahead and ask it. Let's well, see if I, I can make so, it work. So that, that definition changed a couple years ago, right? There was a December decision. The DEA put out a statement saying that that was their, like they basically created policy in a statement. Prior to that, there was nothing. You're right. There was nothing. It was the entire plant. You can play with all the plant. You can use no, you I'm want. sorry. You're, we're off on a tangent. And can okay. I get us back of on course, track, Pat? Course, thank you. And course. please forgive me, brother. You're amazing. But I'm going to get us <laughs> back on too. track. Okay. Thank you, you, honey. Thank you. Okay. What so, happens when four ADD people have a radio show? Yes. Okay. So so let's go back to it, guys. And let me get in get into the flow of it. Because it is complex. And, and it's important. And, and understand, folks who are listening or watching, that you're not going to wrap your head all around this. I, there are lawyers who have to go through these courses several times before they wrap their head around it. So understand that we had that definition. It said any part of the plant, okay? So, but the DEA disagreed. The DEA all in 2016, this passed in February, was signed into law by Obama in February of 2014. We start opening up these programs across the country. In 2016, December, so we're going now forward a, a, a few years here, just about, the DEA and the USDA and the FDA put out something called a joint statement of principles and they published it in the federal legis- uh, in the federal register and the DEA starts to pick apart the legislative intent of oh, section wow. 7606 of the 2014 farm bill the legitimacy of industrial hemp research and they say things like hey we and I'm paraphrasing and potentially being sarcastic because I just also oh, love the DEA but <laughs> so um, so anyway they're saying um, so they start to say gee thank you uh, federal legislature 
legislators patting them on the head, so to speak. Uh, we appreciate this new definition for industrial hemp, but we're here to tell you that you're misguided. And we're telling you that the industrial, that the definition of industrial hemp actually um, doesn't include the flowering tops and the leaves and the resins. Those are still controlled substances and you're not allowed to get to the extracts. And this wasn't about actual general commercial activity. This was about you, um, you know, uh, uh, doing marketing research. So they start to push back. The Hemp Industries Association and various other hemp organizations, as well as Senator Mitch McConnell, right. as well as Senator Rand Paul, whose letter, uh, he had 16 other federal legislators sign his letter. We all, and the, the Kentucky Department of Ag and the University of Kentucky, all send letters to the USDA and the DEA and the FDA, very powerful, impassioned, um, articulate letters, saying this was the legislative intent. We need clarification. What do you mean you're, you're going going to implement on a regulatory level this legislative intent in such an opposite manner. And so they don't respond to anybody's letter at all. Instead, they respond, and I really want to get to the good stuff, but it's important to understand the foundation. Instead, they respond by, oh, and I apologize, the Joint Statement of Principles was in August of 2016. In December of 2016, instead of responding to all these impassioned letters, including to the federal legislators who I have come to learn the executive branch doesn't feel like they really ever have to respond to the legislative branch. It doesn't matter how important you are. You can be Senator Mitch McConnell. If the DEA or the USDA or the FDA doesn't want to respond to you, they don't. Wow. Um, and so in any event, um, instead of responding, they finalize a administrative rule called the marijuana extract rule that had been in a proposed state since July of 2011, which defines marijuana extract as one or more cannabinoids extracted from the genus cannabis. Oh, so now it's including hemp and marijuana. They, and, and so they, they, and that okay, was, so just sure. let's back up because you covered a lot of territory yes, right there. Yes. So basically we've got senators saying that it's okay and you're saying that branches of the government completely ignored it and said, we're just going to write our own stuff. Exactly. So keep in mind, and, I, and I'm really going to underscore this, we have three beautiful branches of government in this incredible system in our country. Um, we have the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch, all checks and balances. So when the legislative branch fights with the executive branch, and that has been what's been happening in hemp since 2014, it's been the feds versus the feds. Sure. So I teach people when they say, well, gee, the federal government thinks this. This is pre-2018 Farm Bill. I said, which federal government? Right. It's the feds work versus the feds. The legislators believe this. The executive branch believes this. And so the stakeholders, the Hemp Industries Association, we um, then brought it before the judicial branch and, and uh, took them to court. The HIA has actually sued the DEA four times. We've won three and a half times. Um, it, so that we could make it clear that hemp, uh, under Farm Bill compliant hemp and hemp extracts were legal. That music means we're going to get right back and find out what the federal government really means here in about we're two minutes. We're going to have to have part two of this show because no, there's a we lot are. to talk about. We are. Back with Joy in just a moment. Have you done it? You, you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror? I'm I'm one of those people you don't want to see naked. I yeah, most of us. But I mean, you look and you're going, "What the? I know. How did 
I get to whatever? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson and Brad Staggs to tell you about a different way mm-hmm. to shed those pounds. This is brand new tech. It's only been around for a couple of years or so. It was based on research from the University of California that said um, there's a molecule called OEA that's found naturally in your body. It produces it in the Mediterranean diet that when taken in concentrated amounts, it will actually make you feel fuller and boost your metabolism. I've lost about 10 pounds so far. It's amazing. It, it now, really is cool. A company said, we can take this to market and make this great product that'll help you. It's called RIDUZONE, R-I-D-U-Zone.com, R-I-D-U-Zone.com. It's Brad's work, to, it's worked mm-hmm. for Brad's, worked for me, countless other people. Go to RIDUZONE.com and try today. You're going to love it. RIDUZONE.com. Remember that, R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Take the pain out of ordering your diabetic testing supplies with Diathrive. Diathrive ships the testing supplies you need directly to you when you need them. Best of all, with plans starting as low as $8 a month, Diathrive is probably going to cost you less than what you're paying today. Diathrive is so convinced that you'll love their service, they're offering your first month of supplies free. Simply type the code DOC, D-O-C, at checkout. Diathrive.com. That's D-I-A, Thrive.com. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. All right, we are back here for the last half hour of Gut Check Project, episode number six, with your host, Kenneth Brown. I'm Eric Rieger. We are joined by Joy Beckerman, and I don't want to ruin any of that momentum. That that break came way too fast. That so, break came fast. Just keep going. Yeah. You got it. Okay. So, so what happens is then the federal legislators start to learn over these years of unfolding of the of the 2014 Farm Bill, these agricultural pilot programs. Oh my God, we're going to have to clarify a lot more than just removing hemp from the Controlled Substances Act if we want to really drive this home. So this year, the Hemp Farming Acts in both houses were great, but in the Senate, fantastic. So instead of just altering the Controlled Substance Act, um, which is what the Hemp Farming Acts had all they'd ever sought to do before was give a simple definition to hemp, remove it from the Controlled Substances Act this year. And this is the language that made its way into the Farm Bill, a must-pass bill. They said, you know what, we're also going to amend the Federal Crop Insurance Act so that hemp can be, it's very clear because when you remove something from a Controlled Substances Act, the bankers, the insurance people, still people are like, well, I get that it's removed, but can we touch it? Oh, yeah. So are we allowed we to heard, do anything with it? We have actually had friends that have had their bank accounts closed because they were banking with certain large Absolutely, customers. absolutely. So so in any event, they know that instead of just amending the one act this year, they amended six acts, including the Federal Crop Insurance Act, including the Agricultural Marketing Act of 1946, which is where agricultural commodities are defined. So through this bill, hemp, and through these champion federal legislators, hemp has reclaimed its rightful place in the broad light of day with other agricultural commodities by now being removed 
removed entirely from the Controlled Substances Act. For the first time in 81 years, the definition of marijuana has changed in the United States. Understand that marijuana was not defined in the 1970 Controlled Substances Act. It was defined in the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, and the Nixon administration adopted that language word for word, didn't change a single word from 1937. So just to clarify that, 1937... Is when marijuana was defined in that act. Marijuana was defined through a tax act. Marijuana tax act. And they included hemp. Well, it it just said this term does not include the definition, pre-existing definition of marijuana pretended. And it's true. I don't want to say pretend. The reality is cannabis is one plant. We've just we have these different types that we've bred out um, in terms of more oil seed and fiber or less resinous type. But now that we're into cannabinoids, those are coming from the resins. So the, the previous definition basically said marijuana is this plant, but the mature stalks and the non-viable seeds don't count. Right. And so we were calling that hemp, but hemp, it does have flowering tops and leaves and resins. You know, it's all one plant. And I, I don't mean to get too confusing with that, but understand that's what they tried to say. And, and they used the word, the architects in 1937, you may find this fascinating, knew that the goodies were in the trichomes of the plant, knew that the, that the resin is where the cannabinoids were, which is why in the definition of marijuana, the pre-existing definition that was just changed on January 1st of this year, um, they used the word resin three times, even though it's only two sentences long. But moving forward, because 30 minutes comes so fast, and I really want to get us up to speed, Texas up to speed of where we're at. Yeah, I just got messages, and, and I, got, I got four messages that basically said, hey, you're running out of time. I really want to know what's going, going on in Texas. Texas. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so moving on forward, then um, they the, this farm bill um, makes its way through. It expanded the definition of industrial hemp because again we couldn't keep putting up with give saying any part and having the DEA say any part doesn't mean any part even though it's written by our lawmakers that we elected and it's in the US code that that's the definition so they expanded the definition in the farm bill now to include extracts derivatives cannabinoids isomers salts of isomers and acids they include all and the seeds so instead of just saying in any part of such plant which should have been sufficient but apparently it wasn't for the <laughs> executive branch they now say seeds extracts derivatives cannabinoids all of those things so in texas there is a special law it's in the texas health and safety code um it's in schedule one opiates where it says there's an exemption from control when these substances are quote specifically accepted in the federal controlled substances act okay so when something is removed from the federal controlled substances act in Texas, and in many states have these similar laws, they're supposed to remove it from the State Controlled Substances Act. So now let's move into Texas a little bit. Currently, even though many states had taken advantage since 2014 of these agricultural pilot programs for hemp, Texas has not passed a bill. You had some incredible activists here. The Hemp Hill family, really props need to go to them. It's an entire family, a mother, a dad, a son, a daughter. Um, and they also run the uh, Texas Hemp Industries Association with with Henry Belay. Um, so they'd made a lot of progress educating the state legislature, but couldn't get a bill passed. So as a result, Texas currently has no agricultural pilot program or definition for hemp. But, and we start to get 
what I call the lions and tigers of bears. Oh my, somebody in, who with some type of authority, whether it's a police chief or a county sheriff so, and, or whether it's a city department of health or a state department of health or somebody from the attorney general's office uh, that's going into say a vape shop because there, apparently there's all kinds of weird things that can go on in vape shops. And so, um, and then CBD would get sort of caught up in a raid and they would say, oh, this is a cannabis extract. This is totally illegal. So then an article comes out, this happened, you know, it's really what's the state or the city of the week. An article comes out because somebody got arrested, some entanglement with law enforcement, and then it causes a sensational, oh my Lord, I thought CBD was legal, but obviously it's illegal because somebody got arrested. This yeah. is Every single time one of those things comes up, my office gets inundated yep. with patients that say, this is not right. Dr. Brown wants me to take an illegal substance. Yep. And... I have to fight that. And you have time. to and you have to defend the legal status. So so in any event, um, but keep in mind as and in 2017, the commissioner of the Texas Department of State Health and Services, John Hellerstedt, I believe his name is Dr. Hellerstedt, um, did an action that would criminalize any possession of an extract from a plant of the genus cannabis. And that and and uh, a prosecutor Wilson more recently, although believe me, there, we we have good news coming. Listen, stay with me here, Texas, because I got nothing but good news to share, okay? Just so you know, you are in Tarrant County where Sharon Wilson is that prosecutor. Oh, you're kidding. Right now. Wow, okay. So she says that's the basis for the current illegal status of non-prescribed CBD oil. Right. So keep in mind then moving forward though, in last year, the, again, the Texas Department of Health and Services said it was going to consider a crackdown on CBD, so it asked for public comment. This is last year. They got over a thousand negative responses. I mean, there was a public out cry saying no do not crack down i demand access to this safe and legal substance do not crack down and the texas department of of health services then did back down from their original position and announced publicly that they were going to delay consideration of this looking to texas lawmakers to weigh in and believe me when i tell you the texas lawmakers are weighing in but some more good news comes up so then the farm bill passes in december of 2018 it goes into effect on january 1 of 2019 and Jonathan Miller, a, a hemp hero of epic proportions, who is general counsel to the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, um, and, and as well as general counsel to the U.S. Hemp Authority, which I'm the vice president of, which created the first CGMP, Current Good Manufacturing Practices and Good Agricultural Practices Jonathan for Miller? Hemp. Yes. He'd be a cool dude to have on. Please have Jonathan Miller on. Oh, my God. Please have Jonathan Miller on. So in any event, a hero of epic proportions, and by the way, a former state treasurer of Kentucky, um, as well as the former head of the Democratic Party in Kentucky, uh, Jonathan, a, a liberal, as we say, in the in a red state, just a fascinating guy. Um, so in any, but works with everybody. He's in fact the most, he's, he's the most collaborative person I've ever met in the hemp movement, this man. Um, so he then go to every state that had that law that I just told you about, this, this that says we will not treat it as a controlled substance if it is specifically accepted. He went through every state and he found every state that has that and then wrote a letter to every state saying, okay, it's been removed from the Federal Controlled Substances Act and according to this code in your state law, you now need to remove it from your state right. Controlled Substances Act. So on February 4th, he sends that very letter to 
County Prosecutor Sharon Wilson right. um, and strongly urges her to abandon her efforts to arrest or otherwise prosecute as a crime the purchase, possession, or sale of hemp-derived CBD, admitting Texas law is undeniably unclear about the status of hemp CBD at present because there's no explicit prohibition of the retail sale of those products right. here, right. but there's admittedly not any express permission for the sale either. There is no explicit prohibition, no express permission, but it has been now removed. He gets then, keep in mind, um, this was all sent uh, on February 4th, and he reminds her, listen, please be mindful of what the Texas Department of Health Services said last year after they asked for public comment and got a thousand negative responses and said they were going to let the lawmakers do it. And he reminded Prosecutor Wilson, and the lawmakers are actually moving forward with this. So on the March 13th, then the Texas Health and Human Services Associate Commissioner Stephen Paul, who was of the Consumer protection division here he writes back to jonathan miller based on the requirements of the farm bill which is the agriculture this is all public Act. access all yes and okay. it's up on it's not only all public access it's up if you googled this stuff believe me it's posted on many sure. sites now but you can always go to hemp supporter.org uh, or dot com hemp supporter.com hemp supporter.com that's the u.s hemp roundtable it is an awesome place for information there's a whole state um legislative action and great portals to easily and just takes a minute guys to engage in the process and do your purpose so he reminds um then prosecutor wilson listen they said that that they were going to do it so so this uh, association I'm, I'm sorry the texas health and human services associate commissioner then writes to him on march 13th okay you're right and the dshs commissioner dr hellerstadt signed an amendment just now to the texas schedules of controlled substances removing hemp from the schedule was that the april 5th thing so and then it was published in the texas register on march 15th 21 days after something is published in your federal register, it becomes law, and that date was April 5th. Now that makes so much more yes. sense. Doesn't it? Just last week? All right. Just so last week. Clarify in two sentences what actually went down one more time because that was a lot of information. You got it. I know it. So Jonathan Miller, general counsel to the roundtable, writes, listen, you guys have a law here that says if it's removed from the federal register, from the Federal Controlled Substances Act, you need to remove it from your State Controlled Substances Act. A, a, a little over a month later, the Texas Health and Human Services Associate Commissioner writes back to him and says, gee, you're right. Based on the, on the Agriculture Improvement Act, the Farm Bill of 2018, it's been removed. And so Dr. Hellerstadt of the Department of um, State Health signed an amendment to remove it from the, from the controlled substances, and it will be in the Texas Register on March 15th and become effective 21 days later on April 5th. Because wow. of people like you mm -hmm. that found your purpose, yes. I truly believe that we will have a field of medicine where you will be specialized and you're going to be an endocannabinologist. We are going to stop the progression of many diseases, and it takes people with your passion your dreadlocks to do this oh oh thank you and your passion moving all of this health forward and 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 the coalition that we are building in the in the hemp movement by being able to reach out to people like you i mean you take this message and you run with it guys you're doing it it's just amazing and, and so are healthcare professionals all over trepidatious though they may be who really start try to understand the legal status as you have as you continue to do um they are delivering this safe and legal and effective um, properties to to their patients and clients all over. Why did you say lions, tigers, and bears? Oh my! Because 
because it's kind of like, oh my, there's another lion, there's another bear, there's another tiger, these another entanglement with law enforcement based on misunderstanding. As Bob Marley says, although I think they that Bob Marley may have gotten this from the Bible, as as I often say, I don't it's the Dosecki's guy. I don't know I don't always recognize a gospel tune, but when I did, it's from the Jerry Garcia band. Um, <laughs> um so, <laughs> So, but Bob Marley said, you know, only a fool <laughs> leans upon his own misunderstanding. Um, and this is the lions and tigers and bears. So it's law enforcement or, again, a city department of health or a state department of health or some authority, some regulator who is leaning upon his or her own misunderstanding, doesn't understand the legal status of hemp or cannabinoids in their own state on a federal level or how that all works together. And it comes, see, reads one piece as opposed to the entire landscape of the, of the legal and, and regulatory field and they then make a decision that this is illegal they've read one thing and the next thing you know it's a newspaper article creating this sensational misinformation and disinformation it's just an extension really of we've, we've all heard the term all politics are local yes because they truly are even yes. though this changed at a federal level and even though our state had that empowerment to basically follow the the lead of the federal government it well, there's 254 counties in texas so we have one. You happen to be in the one that made the news. Yes. And out of all 254, she led the charge to basically ignore the rule of law as it applied through Texas to take it upon herself to do that. Because if you were to go over to where you landed, which is in Dallas County or mm -hmm. in Collin County where your practice is or where I live in Wise, this is not what they're after. They're not after going... Um, they don't want to spend money on this. They don't want to spend money on it. They, they More than likely, they actually know somebody who's benefiting and from it. And that's the other thing. You know, pub public harm and resources, of course they don't want to spend their money. I do want to clarify for you, the law is unclear. So when we say that she was ignoring the law, sure, sure. She, what she was really doing, just so we can put it in perspective, because now we're going to get up to the law and how the listeners can help here in Texas. This is a real important call to action. She was using her authority to interpret the law the way she wanted to. Right. And because it is open to interpretation, because currently it is undeniably unclear, there is no express permission to sell these products, but there is no explicit prohibition to sell these products. So she chose to interpret it in an, in an unpopular manner and, and in what we would say in an inaccurate manner and certainly in a manner that does not serve the interests of the people of this county and the people of the state of Texas who are demanding access to this safe, legal, affordable substance that is improving their lives on, on, on tremendous levels, some people. So so moving forward in time, because I got more good news for Texas. The good news is going to keep coming here, Well, you guys. let's hear it. Throw it so, out there. On the very same day that, back in February, that Jonathan Miller sends this letter out um, to Prosecutor Wilson, urging her to um, please abandon her efforts to arrest or otherwise prosecute as a crime the purchase, possession, or sale of hemp-derived CBD, uh, Representative King files a very promising bill in the House. Um, and that is, I'm going to get the number for you right now. That is House Bill 1325. Please, if you have a note, if you have a cell phone and you're not driving, Texas House Bill 1325, the Hemp Farming Act. And this is a great, by the way, bipartisan bill. Um, so Tracy King <laughs> filed it also with Representative Lyle Larson, a Republican. Tracy King is a Democrat. This bill, which continues to be improved, makes it very clear, removes all ambiguity. And that's because they got this model state bill originally, I believe, from the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, which has created a model state bill for, for all of the states to use that will really open up the doorways for 
for a commercial agricultural uh, commodity program of hemp and make it very clear that the what hemp products means that they include cannabidiol and all cannabinoids and that they are absolutely legal to sell at the retail level. So in go ahead. Can I ask you a quick question? Please. So I'm on the Texas House Bill 1325. Mm -hmm. It says that um, it was introduced on February 4th, and then it says action on April 9th? That's the most recent, and I'm about to get there. Cool. I'm absolutely about to get there. And and that April 9th, brother, that is showing you how, and there's been a lot of action. So if you actually looked at that tab, you could see every action that has taken place on that bill, and that thing is marching its way, advancing awesome. its fall down the hemp field like major. Reported favorably as substituted, it whatever is, that means. It is moving, because substitutes come in, um, amendments come in, and so on and so forth. But I want you to know that in this House Bill 1325, which needs support, and I want you to go to hempsupporter.com and click Texas on the state action to support it. Do you know what's super cool? The sponsors, there's Representative Tracy King, Democrat, Representative Dustin Burroughs, Republican, then there's Republican, Democrat, Democrat, Republican. That's what I just said. It's totally it's bipartisan. Beautiful. That Because hemp is the great bringer together. Cannabis is the great bringer together of people. Um, and the, the great unifier, the great synthesizer, you guys. And and, and by the way, hemp seed oil, and, and all, hemp seed oil, meaning oil pressed from the seed as opposed to extract, extracted from the flowering Flower. tops and leaves and resins, is it, it's amazing when you add hemp to anything how things start to work together better it's fascinating but I don't want to digress here so in the definition of hemp in in uh, the hemp uh, house bill 1325 which again needs support and you need to go to hempsupporter.com right now click on state legislative action supporter.com please and we can get the link right to the Texas for for the website guys so they don't have to mess around with it chef Patrick how do we get that out to the listeners well, we'll we'll post it right uh, with this live video, and right. then we'll go ahead and repost it again when Excellent. we share it. Excellent. It'll be in show notes Excellent. on the YouTube channel as well. Yeah. So the definition of hemp product, they don't just define hemp in this bill. Uh, the model state bill, it is very clear that we want to make sure we are also defining hemp product to make it very clear. We got to remove all this ambiguity. We're done with the ambiguity. We're done with the gray areas. We're done with giving them holes to drive law enforcement entanglement trucks through. We are done. We are making it clear. And thanks to Representative Tracy King and her Republican and Democrat counterparts, this does. And it defines as including any product, it, it's a, a good long definition, but but for purposes of time efficiency here, because there's a couple more things I want to make sure the listeners know about Texas, um, it, it defines it as any product containing one or more, it's including any product containing one or more hemp-derived cannabinoids such as cannabidiol and can be sold at the retail level. The on on the um, Just last week, they, there was testimony before the House Ag Committee, that's I believe potentially, oh no, this was actually before April 9th, there's been a lot of movement and the house ag committee basically had there were 20 pro comments from the ag committee to the folks who testified 20 pro pr proponent comments not a single negative question oh wow from the entire house ag committee and they were good questions nice. sometimes you can really because i do a lot of testifying in front of committees you can tell by their questions oh my god how ignorant or where are they really going or are they trying to get me to prove their argument against but this ag committee no such questions great questions great. and no negative comments marching its way so down becoming the field. more educated 
Love yes, it. absolutely. The one other thing that we do want to improve about the bill is that there are these labeling requirements in the bill that are really geared toward extract because that's what everyone is thinking right now hemp is about is extract as opposed to these 10,000 other products and industries that I told you about building materials, papers, textiles, biocomposites, industrial sealants and coatings, so on and so forth. And so these labeling requirements, while they may be okay and appropriate for hemp extract they are have nothing to do with hemp seed they'd be cumbersome for hemp seed food or grain um, and other fiber products so we are trying to get those uh, an amendment there for those labeling requirements that is the one teeny tiny problem with that bill um, and for the sake of the bill if we can't get that amended believe me you've got to support this bill the bill is going to go through sure. um, there is a secondary bill so that uh, the listeners are aware it's just not as powerful and we thank Senator Perry so much for having filed it. It's Texas Senate Bill 1240. Uh, it looks like it's been stuck in the Business and Commerce Committee um, here in the Texas State Legislature uh, in the Senate since March 7th, and it's just kind of holding there. So I think this other superior bill, and again, that's with all due respect to Senator Perry and the tremendous support, because he's been working on this for sure. some years, um, and we're so grateful for his support, and I, I imagine that he will then move forward uh, supporting HB 1325 if that's the way that it's going. So there are two bills Bills, dueling bills, but it looks like potentially Senator Perry may acquiesce to House Bill 1325. Is there any significant opposition? Uh, because we do have these senators who have come together to, to forge these two bills. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, is there anybody who is trying to stymie? the effort that we should be aware of. Uh, indeed. And, and again, Tracy King is a representative in the House, and so and it's Senator Perry. And we often see that a House bill and a, and a Senate bill. Certainly, there are folks who um, are against this that, unfortunately, are still stuck. And, and I don't mean to judge them, but they're wildly ignorant. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to say it. Yeah, how um, can they logically debate why they would... It, they can't logically. That would be an oxymoron. They, they cannot logically debate. They can debate. I mean, we see debates all the time sure. that make no sense, but it's not logical. There is no logical aspect to this. There is no intoxicating component. There is no intoxicating potential in hemp as it's currently legal defined legally defined as and, and believe me 0.3 percent thc we can go up to several percent thc and not achieve an intoxicating effect that was poor dr ernest small from the university of manitoba who when canada legalized hemp and started regulating hemp as an agricultural commodity in that country in 1998 um they they wanted to come up with this definition with this with this percentage and based on certain things i mean Dr. Ernest Small admittedly basically threw it out there and now he's trying to get that back up to 1% and there is action about talking about increasing that for 1% because we could increase cannabinoid content, resin content, it certainly increases nutritional profile, biomass, yield, tensile strength, but research, research, research. So thanks to prohibition, we're just getting started um, on, on research. All that combined, so you, you hit on a great, I know, trigger point for, for Ken, research. Yes. What is it that we could do as a community, as a patient, as somebody who cares for somebody else who has inflammation, that we could turn to a company maybe like what uh, Ken's doing with KBMD mm -hmm. or other people who are based in, in trying to put practice or ideals behind the benefits of CBD and how that can be used as an example for legislators and lawmakers who are trying to say, look, these are the things that are benefiting from CBD and hemp. Mm -hmm. how, how could how how best can someone make 
make use of that information. You mean uh, make use of the of the research or share their own data? Share the research, share their own data, use that as an advocacy uh, because if you don't have the data, you don't have the evidence, it's hard for someone to make something. Well, like we Absolutely. okay, so f- for my community, mm-hmm. my community I'm a gastroenterologist. I'm seeing tremendous benefits in certain disease states. I'm not making claims, but I'm seeing benefits in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's colitis and Crohn's disease, small bowel and uh, colon. So I think calling upon different support groups, Facebook groups. So if you have Crohn's or colitis, if you have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, share this episode um, and start looking into this because I'm going to be publishing some and or, or basically some clinical observational studies where I'm treating people and we're having pretty incredible benefits where we're showing both endoscopic and pathologic healing. Mm. And so that's what I, I want to call out. I want to call out to pain doctors and say, have you gotten anybody off opioids? Publish that case series. Yeah, because you, said it. you said it uh, earlier when you said uh, they lack the logic. And really what Ken's done for over 10 years is show me the objective data without bias, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't say what I want it to say. Yes. So let's, let's look at it. I have seen this in my own field and you know, I mean, it's a psychological term called cognitive dissonance. If you truly are rooted in something, you will not listen to logic. Mm-hmm. We see this a lot. Yes. My whole deal is this is called the gut check project. What we talk about is check your ego at the door. Amen. Anything is on the table. Just be open to it. Yes. And we've done photobiomodulation we've i mean we've, we're talking about some stuff that i knew nothing about and i'm learning you're teaching me about law and policy that is incredible where this thing has come i just signed up to the u.s hemp roundtable on hempsupporter.com excellent so we just signed up as kbmd health we did and under kbmd health of course you're well aware uh Joy Beckerman is a part of Elixinol, the the regulatory officer and industry liaison and so proud proud to be with Elixinol. While we're talking about cognitive dissonance, we ran into this. We developed a natural product that fixes bloating and changing bowel habits. Some people would call it IBS, not making a claim. Well, now that's funny because you mentioned Canada a while ago. When we're in Canada, we can say IBS. Yes. In the U.S., we can't. All different, all different. I, I wonder, and do we only have two minutes We've left, We've got guys? a minute and a half. Okay, a half. then very quickly, because I want you guys to participate in this, another action call. The FDA is putting out a public comment. They will take them until July 10th. If you type out FDA cannabidiol safety public comment, FDA cannabidiol safety public comment, you will get a link in the Federal Register on how you can submit a public comment about safety. They are looking for public comment. They want data and they want safety do not this is very important do not say it cured my cancer it cured my this it cured my that they don't want medical claims they want data and safety so i just got sent an article for the first time ever that i have seen where they were looking at the safety of cannabidiol in people with liver um insufficiency so basically people with liver disease what it does so now we have doctors that are actually doing this one thing is does it work second thing is does it hurt and the safety is super important if it doesn't hurt you, why not try? Why That's, not try? They want the safety risk. They're about the risk. They don't want to hear about everything that it's cured. They are looking to see about public harm. So the show notes. Which, which does not exist. <laughs> well, it doesn't exist. It's quite a very important, unfortunately. 15 seconds. Definitely come back, Joy. I can't wait. Holy cow. Show can't no- wait. Show notes on the YouTube channel are going to have all of these links. There's so much action for all of our listeners to take. Joy will be back. Thank you so much, Joy, for joining us. Dr. Ken? Yes, not lions, tigers, and bears. It's kittens, puppies, and uh, hamsters. <laughs> you guys are wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> that was an incredible wow. show. Wow.
It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.